You are now listening to the Verify Phenoms podcast. In this show, we speak with individuals who have come from all walks of life and have overcome the mental limitations of imposter syndrome, perfectionism, and overthinking. Get your notebook ready and stay tuned to learn how you can win your mental battles and become a verifying phenom as well. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Verified Phenoms. We are still in the season talking to real people that have real results. Today, we have with us Mia. She is an award-winning licensed mental health therapist who has committed her life's work to supporting people experiencing intense pressure and high expectations to overcome anxiety and optimize their performance. As a mother, entrepreneur, former D1 athlete, she is no stranger to navigating pressure and has made it her mission to help other high achievers do the same. Mia combines her passion for deep inner work with intentional action to support high achieving athletes, business professionals, and entrepreneurs to enhance their mentality and optimize their performance through scientifically backed signature performance system. Whew, Mia, it's a Monday for sure. Happy Monday. I'm doing well, thank you. Oh my goodness. All right. So we're going to start off the show today with some rapid fire questions. And right. I'm just going to say whatever question comes to my mind at this moment and uh, just give me whatever answer you have. All right. All right. Gonna get on the edge of my all feet right. for this. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite pizza toppings? Oh, none. Just good old fashioned cheese pizza. Okay. Yeah. If you can be on a pick one, I'll pick one. No, that's fine. That's fine. No topping. If I have to pick a topping. Okay. If you can be on a flight right now, going anywhere on this fine Monday, where would you be going? Uh, Oh, um, uh, my first thing that came to mind was Arizona because I have family there and I've been there forever and I just saw some of them. So go to like Sedona. Okay. Florida. So I kind of. And usually where I want to be, but Arizona would be a, a good destination. Also, have a ton of trips coming up. I'm going to San Diego in two weeks for a conference, and then going to Maryland next weekend for family stuff. So this explains yeah. the schedule we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, so if you could be any movie character, who would it be? Ooh. Uh, any movie character. Okay, not that I would want to be in the situation, but like Katniss Everdeen, she's just like I wouldn't oh. want to be doing what she's doing, but she's awesome. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. can see that. That's facts, facts. Okay. Um if your book if your life was a book, what would the title be? Uh still going. <laughs> I like that. Uh, and lastly, what is the best piece of advice anybody has ever given you? Uh, start somewhere. Just start somewhere. Mm-hmm. Why that? Because, and I know we'll probably talk about this, but as a uh, recovering perfectionist, if it's if you get in your head about not doing something because it has to look a certain way or it has to be a certain way or you compare what it's supposed to be. And the second I started releasing that, I just started taking action. Just saw like these huge changes. So just start somewhere, get going. Mm, 
mm-hmm. recovering perfectionist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how you worded that. Yeah. Uh, is that something that you're still dealing with now, but just a lot better than you used to? Yeah, of course. I think like, especially for people who are very competitive and want to do well and achieve a lot, it's kind of becomes part of who you are. It kind of comes with the territory. Of course, you're going mm-hmm. to want to have things be of a great quality and everything. So I've seen that push people forward and I've seen it hold people back. And I'm one of those people that has delayed certain things or not taking action because I'm thinking it needs to be a certain way or once this happens, then I can do this. And yeah, I mean, I think there still has to be intention with it. But the second that I shifted that and like, let's do one thing or instead of like, I can't do this until I know more about it. Like, yes, again, being well informed, but not stalling. So yes, it's something that I still work through and it looks a lot better than it used to. I can definitely understand that. There's a, I can't remember who who told me this, but one day they said, never look for 100% of the information before you actually make a decision or take action. They said, in reality, as long as you have like 70 to like 80% of the information, Hmm. that's typically mostly what everybody needs to be able to just go on to the next step. Because if you're looking for that 100%, you will essentially will always be looking for a little bit more like 101, 110%. Yeah. There's something that, so in, in dialectical behavioral therapy, they call it wise mind. And you just reminded me. So it's this idea that you, you operate as your best self when you're considering emotion and fact. So kind of to your point, if you're always just looking for fact, a lot of the times you're discounting the emotional response. And there's a lot to be said for that. If you're just seeing things in black and white, it is just the facts. You're probably missing a lot of the important information for yourself. So giving yourself permission to do both is really important, I think. Is there any, are there any times that you've realized that you've experienced that yourself? Of not operating in wise mind or, or shifting into wise mind? Not operating. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I've taken opportunities or said yes to things out of like, Hey, this makes sense on paper. And then later been like, and you can still make meaning of it. Like there are things that ended up working out that I was able to shift and, and make work in my favor. But absolutely. Yeah. I've said that yes to things or done things or whatever that look pretty in black and white. And then emotionally you're just like, I think a lot of us struggle with that too. I think things that make sense and, and look good or sound good or are supposed to be good in theory we say yes to and we're wondering why we're burning out or we're not feeling fulfilled. And it's because there is not that emotional piece that we're in tune to. Have you ever felt burnt out before? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where yeah. do you think that burnout came from? So when I graduated with my master's, I just jumped right into being a therapist. And even in my graduate programs, you have to do an internship uh, when you're in the, the field that I'm, I I am in and I was going to school full time and working three days a week as an in-home family therapist. So I was Mm. traveling to people's houses all day, different locations all over the place. And I loved it. It was great. But what I noticed was it was one of those things that I kept doing that it looks good on paper. I'm like, this will be great for a resume. It's something I want to do, but I wasn't taking care Mm. of myself the way I should have been. 
and I was doing it out of like, just keep going. So at some point, you know, three years into that lifestyle where I, you know, every day you're just traveling and doing and really intensive cases, by the way, too. Um, it, I definitely started to feel like, wait a second, I'm exhausted. Like I'm counting down the days and that's not really in my personality as uh, in general. So I was mm-hmm. like, something's going on here. And that's where I really started the journey and making the work for me too, not just for the people I was working for. You've been on the go for, for a while. Yeah. Ever since you say straight out of your master's program. You know, in undergrad, you were playing soccer. So mm-hmm. I, I know as a former uh, collegiate athlete myself, that's a busy lifestyle. Yeah, I was, uh, <laughs> too. I was in a high school two days a week, too, uh, mentoring wow. students in um, inner city Bridgeport to, like, help them navigate emotions and different things they were going through, too. So I knew that is one thing that I, was, I feel very blessed to have realized was, like, I knew what I was meant to do. It just very mm-hmm. much is aligned with my personality, love helping people. Um, that was something that I realized pretty early on. What the evolution of it was, was what it looked like, how it mm-hmm. came to be. And that's where the parallel stories kind of merge with my soccer career and being so involved in sports and then being able to combine the two. So you were volunteering while you were competing, correct? Yes. Yeah. What were those days or weeks like for you? So I was doing that in the off season. I, I couldn't do okay. it in the season because I mean, anyone who's played division one, you, you have no life. And I was, <laughs> I was a full-time student too. And this was before online classes. So, um, you know, any given, even in, in that season is like, you wake up, <laughs> you go to practice or you're in the training room, you try to get to your next class. And then there would usually be like a pocket of a couple hours where I'd run over to the school, maybe be there for, yeah, like two, three hours, come back, go to class. If we had like another um, practice or a run or whatever, we would do that. But in season, it was just, there was nothing but practice, study, class, practice, study, class, eat, <laughs> sleep, kind of. Practice study class. <laughs> I was just telling somebody that recently. Um, they were asking me their uh, child, their kids are really talented in sports. Mm-hmm. And they were asking me about my experience of being a college athlete. And I told them straight up, I was like, honestly, if you can do it, go for it. Like, yeah. if you have the ability to be a collegiate athlete because there's no experience like, like any other. Yeah. But just know, chances are they won't have a life. <laughs> like their life what that life looks like yeah. and that's like yeah. we used to joke like you sell your soul but the reality is <laughs> to your point it's it's such an incredible experience and honestly i don't think i would have mm. i graduated summa cum laude i don't think that would have happened if i didn't have that structure and that lifestyle so it's very mm. much getting really comfortable and looking at yourself and what your priorities are and that happens at such a young age like 18 mm-hmm. years old, that's the tough decision to make. It's not easy. It's it's incredible. You have those friendships and, and all these incredible experiences. And it's tough. It's a lot. It's, it's a dedication. It's a full-time job for sure. If you do it right, in my opinion. Making a decision like that is, like you said, it's very difficult at mm-hmm. such a young age. You're really shaping the rest. I don't want to say the rest of your life. But let's just say 
the next five to ten years. Mm. Right. You it definitely can shape the next five to ten years for that you're in college. Um, but then after that, you know, depending on which school that you choose, that's going to choose possibly what you major in, the network that you have, which can oh, uh, yeah. determine your uh the job that you end up getting. So let's just say five to ten years. What was the thought process for you? How did you go back and forth? Like, what was the thought process for you when trying to choose in school? So uh, there was a lot of factors for me personally. I needed a good psychology program. Like I said, I, I knew what I wanted to do. That was a non-negotiable. So I wanted to go somewhere that had a great psychology program. And I narrowed it down to a few schools. I thought I wanted a big school. And I remember I stepped on one or two campuses uh, and I was just like, I looked in a classroom. I was like, oh my gosh, this is not something that's going to be conducive to my type of learning. I need to ask questions. I need to be involved. I, I just, that's me personally. So being able to realize that shift of thinking I wanted this like big school to, mm, I want a decent sized school, but it's not going to be that. <laughs> I, I can't sit in an auditorium like that for every class and just listen. Uh, so that was a big shift for me. I had a significantly younger, I have a significantly younger sister. So she was still making her way through grade school. So I wanted to be able to come home if I needed to. So that was the kind of the, I grew up in New Jersey. I ended up to go going to school in Connecticut for, for college. So hour and a half, I could be home if I needed to, but I still wanted to make it my own experience. So location, size, and then I always wanted to play division one. It was just a goal of mine. And that narrowed it down even further. So between those kind of components and then like actually going, I, I stepped onto the campus at Sacred Heart and I just like felt at home. I had gone to a summer camp for the soccer team to kind of like not try out, but it was just where the coaches were and they got to watch you play. And that was going into my senior year. That was going to my senior year. And that's where I committed. So yeah, that was, it was that was right. it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love how you said that it felt at home. And also, you keep bringing up, at, you know, psychology, that was something that you knew that you wanted to do it was a non negotiable. Yeah. Or, well, uh, to your point, like when you make those big decisions, that's yeah. this is something whoever is listening that needs to hear this, make sure you're making the decision to play that it's the for the right decision for the right reasons. Mm -hmm. I ironically went on to tear my ACL MCL meniscus the end of my senior mm. year. So I'd already committed. I knew where I was going, but I actually had scholarship academically too. So I wasn't, yes, it was my mission to get better. And I knew that the reality is you're more than a sport, even mm. though it felt like up to that point, that was my whole life. I knew I wanted to do something else. I knew I wanted to have a career. So I was really considering both. And I think it's just really important to give yourself permission to follow both storylines, because at some point, even if you go professional, Olympic, whatever level, you're still more than your sport and you have to consider that. Otherwise, it's a really difficult transition whenever it happens out of that. That's real. I, I didn't tear my ACL. I ended up fracturing my leg and that's how my career ended. Um, <laughs> and I had also, it happens. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go through those, uh, that thought process of like, I'm more than an athlete as well. Just like, what else do I have in me to really, not necessarily, well, for me, it was like, how can I get back to the sport? But mm -hmm. also 
what is next for me. And yeah, and for anybody that's listening to this right now, that's maybe not even an athlete. I still think that's very relevant to them because oh, for them, it may not be, Oh, I'm more than my, at my job, not my, my sport. It could be, I'm more than my job because maybe they just identify with what they have. And then maybe we've seen a lot recently, people are getting laid off mm-hmm. um, the massive layoffs just within, um, you know, worldwide. So what would you say to anybody that's trying to get through that hump in their career or just their journey at the moment to understand that they are more than essentially what they clock into, whether it's a job or whether it's for sport? So I think where we get a lot of validation and reinforcement is when we accomplish something, which is very externally based. So a lot of us are programmed that way without even realizing it is like, oh, I accomplished this. Like I'm a straight A student, right? I'm a straight A student. I'm a lawyer. I'm a this. I'm an athlete. So it, it becomes kind of part of your identity. I'm a parent, right? Like it doesn't matter what it is, but we take on those things because that tends to be where we get the acknowledged the most. And it feels good. It's human nature, right? I'm not saying it's a bad thing. But in terms of your your question and acknowledging like, okay, that's great. What do we do with that? You got to build the relationship with yourself. And all I mean by that is getting to know what you actually want to do, what you like, what you don't like, who you are, what's important to you, and not getting caught up in what everyone else is saying. I think it's so hard to do nowadays because we have so much information being thrown at us in what we're supposed to be paying attention to, what we're supposed to not, what we're supposed to believe, what we're not supposed to do. So it's like when we're going through those times and it's the most stressful, sometimes it's really hard to have the capacity to just sit with yourself because it feels so uncomfortable. Right. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, it might feel uncomfortable initially, but it's the best thing you can do. It's just like quiet everything out, ask yourself, like, where are you? What's going on? So that mindfulness, that awareness of what is of who you are, what you like, what you don't, what's important, what's not will really help guide you and help direct you to how to incorporate the important things in your life and acknowledge those important things so that yes, like you can be all in on a job and you can be all in on your sport, all in on your relationships and what else, like what else is there for you? So you were saying like, whether it's an athlete or a job, that's an important part of your life and you can still have other things going on too. Some people might not believe that, but if you look at professional athletes as an example, Usually they have a foundation or a nonprofit that they're associated with. So like it is possible. And that's where I think that well-roundedness is so important and being able to see like, Hey, I also stand for this, or this is also important to me, or this is also how I like to spend my time. So just building out that identity and who you are as a person will help build resilience. And ironically, I think makes you even better at what you do or what you're trying to perform in. I definitely can align with and agree with you on that is when a person can understand and know what their values are, it really drives the work that they're doing, no yeah. matter what it is. And like you said, it it can make them a lot better. Let's just say, for example, right now, my, some of my values is are essentially giving back to others, mm-hmm. teaching, and just being able to spread knowledge and helping others in any way possible. Yeah. The job that I have, the day job, is a digital marketing instructor for college students. And so I've realized like I can bridge the gap of my values 
with that because yeah. I try to make my lessons as best as possible because I want them to be able to get jobs. They're college students. They're there to make money. <laughs> so yeah. I realized that's how I've been able to make my values, no matter what I do, match up my job. That way I'm not necessarily, like you said, attached to the job, but it's what's behind the scenes. Yeah. So I got to ask you, Mia, what have you done over the, you know, the, the years to build that relationship within yourself? In terms of merging, like being able to find my values and my profession yeah. and everything like that. Yeah, no, that's a great question. I think you like nailed it on the head. That's when you're really winning. That's when you feel like you're in a flow state and, and you're doing it, even if not every day looks perfect. That's so important. So going back to kind of my parallel stories and finding them merging is I always mm-hmm. was so involved in athletics. I'm a competitive person. I love it. It was kind of like my space is where I felt the most confident. It was where I felt important, where everything just kind of seemed to work, even on the hard days. So having that been the case and then having a college experience that was fairly tumultuous, honestly, like we had great success. I recovered in way less time than I was supposed to from my, my injury I was talking about before, but it was an emotional roller coaster. And then for the first time, I felt like I was constantly having to prove myself. So the side story with psychology and helping other people, it took a while for them to merge to realize like, Hey, athletes are human too. And the more pressure you put on yourself, the more you ask of yourself, and this could be relevant to business too, but I'm just talking about my experience. The more you ask of yourself, the more you have to give yourself. And I was realizing that it's a vulnerable population, especially in college athletes, because that tends to be when you give yourself the least. Either you don't know how to, it's new in how to compete on that level and still take care of yourself. A lot of people are living away from home for the first time. So that was like reflecting back on that where I now had my own practice and was starting to work with certain people. People saw in my bio that I was an athlete and actually initially started seeking me out for that reason. And then I realized, I'm like, this is it. This is what I need to be doing. I get it. And I have the the evidence-based tools to actually help these people who are athletes as well Mm -hmm. um, or very competitive in nature to combat performance, anxiety, comparison, self-doubt, imposter syndrome, whatever it may be, um, severe and, and mental health that we all kind of deal with. So that was just where I was able to bridge the gap and honor my values and my talents with something I genuinely wanted to do. And and the best way I, I feel like we're all put here for a reason. And sometimes it takes a while to figure out what that is. And I just feel like being where I am now, it, it feels like I'm doing the thing I was meant to do, which is really cool. Amazing. I feel like you're walking yeah. in your purpose. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's a, it's a different type of feeling when you wake up every day when you know it's like, I already know what I got to do. I just got to do it. This mm-hmm. is different. Yeah. One word that you said that really stuck out to me was pressure because pressure, it can lead to anxiety. It can lead to overthinking. It can lead to imposter syndrome. It can lead to a lot of things. Yeah. Whether it's, you know, as an athlete, you know, the pressure when the second, the second you step onto the field, pressure for your job, from your boss, or mm-hmm. maybe even pressure in college from your family to make sure that you, you know, you graduate on time, you get your degree. Why do you feel as if from your experience of maybe your own personal life, but also the others that you've helped, 
why do people put almost like an abnormal amount of pressure on themselves? Yeah, that's a really great question. So we are, I'm going to like boil this down. We're human, right? And at the end of the day, we're wired for survival. We are, if you let it, we're fear-based creatures. So pressure, it's like, it almost think of it as a pack mentality. You have to find your value. You have to be of value to be acknowledged, to be able to contribute, right? It's like, it's kind of like that almost caveman mindset is operating so that we protect ourselves and that we're of value. So when we put pressure to be good at something, it, it sometimes it's very fear-based and it's because we want to accomplish something. The problem is when we're operating consistently out of fear, you end up working a lot of times against yourself. So where you're saying like, why is this getting so out of proportion? Instead of taking the information and saying like, okay, I'm putting pressure because I want this thing. How do I shift into problem solving or resilience? Or a lot of people don't know to do that because they're not understanding what's happening internally or why it's happening. We shift into judgment. I shouldn't feel this way. I shouldn't be this worried. I shouldn't be this nervous. Why is this happening? Right? So by having that acknowledgement, we're all going to feel fear and all of those poor emotions. They're not bad. They're just trying to tell you something. So pressure tends to be out of that place where it's like, I want to accomplish this. I want to achieve this. And not doing that doesn't feel good. It's undesirable. And that's that kind of like instinct fear-based speaking, right? I don't want this outcome. I don't want this to happen. But we get stuck there. And it ends up being so counterproductive because when we're in that anxious state, it's like your thought process gets compromised. Your physical well-being gets compromised because you're putting yourself in a mental state that ends up being very counterproductive. So understanding that it's informing you, you're putting pressure on yourself or you're receiving pressure to accomplish something that you want, right? I tell a lot of people, I'm like, if you feel like you're really worried about or like you're fearful because you want something so bad or you don't want something like that's not a bad thing you just have to learn how to interpret it and make it work for you rather than against you how have you been able to overcome fear so kind of in that way and it's interesting because a lot of my training i received to be a professional in the world of counseling and therapy i was like that makes so much sense. And that's part of why I got into it. I remember taking like a psychology class in high school being like, why is this not core curriculum? Why are we not all being taught how we think and how we operate and just how we are as human. And that's why I think I was so passionate about the field was it just made sense to me. It was helpful. I've taken it on as a lifestyle for myself. I very much try to practice what I preach. It's not perfect, but it's, it's important to acknowledge it and, and align with it. So understanding that we're human and we're going to have emotions and they're really there to just inform you. It's like an alarm system. It's like a notification system, if you will. Like, Hey, here's how you want to respond to this. Here's what makes you feel good. Do more of this. Here's what doesn't feel good. (laughs) Right. And sometimes that leads to avoidance, but understanding what it means maybe will help push you out of avoidance and go to that next thing. We are talking about perfectionism and stuff too. We don't always understand how to interpret it. So for me, I was very much, I, I would say, I didn't know how to label anxiety in like the worrying or the anticipating. And once I was able to do that, it was such a huge shift of like, okay, you don't want this to happen. That's great. What are you going to do so it doesn't happen instead of just sitting in that space? So that's very much like the work that I 
do for other people, I feel so confident in teaching because I understand what that looks like. I definitely agree with you. That is something that needs to be taught in school. Uh, emotional intelligence is seems as if I don't, I don't know why it's not taught in school because it's something that we all need to thrive yes. in life. Whether it's a romantic relationship, a business relationship, yes. it doesn't matter. We all need a high EQ. And you start to notice as a person grows within a career or you know, if you have a business, wherever it may be, the people that are most successful are the ones that have the highest EQ. Mm-hmm. Which is unfortunate because it just should be something that we all know. We should be able to read our own emotions, but also read others' emotions and act accordingly. Yeah. It's so odd. Yeah, yeah, they're um, starting to catch on, but there's a lot of work to be done. <laughs> what? Out of curiosity, yeah. Out of all the books that you read, I'm pretty sure you've read a lot. What would you say? are some of the top books that you think anybody should read when it comes to like emotional intelligence and also just like anxiety so, nature. It depends. There's a lot of great books. It depends on where you're at is what I would say. So mm-hmm. the body keeps the score is a fascinating, validating book about trauma and how we hold on to our trauma. And anyone who's in the field probably had it required reading. <laughs> but if you're not, and, and like, be careful, because if you know you have trauma, you haven't worked through, that's why I said, like, it depends on where you're at. But there are so many books that help you just kind of build the relationship. It's And it's just helpful to understand and rewire your relationship with emotions. And I think what that book does is it helps take a very uncomfortable taboo concept and make sense of it if you're ready to do that work. So that's one of many I would recommend. Um, it, again, if you're in the space where you can hear it, but there's, there's a lot of great material out there and just like starting the, oh, and listen, some people are more faith-based. Some people are more evidence-based. So that's, mm-hmm. there's a full spectrum. Um, Gabrielle Bernstein is actually more on like the spiritual side And if you're someone that that relates to, so for me personally, it it did. And it sticks out to me because that's just kind of what I needed. Remember, I was talking about that burnout. I was like, I'm doing something on paper, again, like that black, on paper that I love, what's not clicking? And I remember someone um, recommended the universe has your back. And it was just a huge shift for me because I was like, all right, learning to trust yourself, learning to be aware of yourself, making friends with yourself, being able to just build that awareness was like a huge shift for me too. So you're someone who errs on like kind of the spiritual side of building the relationship with yourself that way. Sometimes it feels like a little bit of a buffer. It's not as hard to look at when you feel like you're being supported in doing it. So that's another um, book I would recommend. I could, I could go on, but we'll, we'll start for there today. I don't like the more like very scientific side and then the more spiritual side. And then there's a whole spectrum of in between. So you have a whole library up there. I love it. I love it. I do. <laughs> I am a self-proclaimed nerd and I am proud of it. I hey. think knowledge is such a beautiful thing and I really enjoy learning. It's all good. I am the exact same way. I love learning. I'm a lifelong mm-hmm. learner. Speaking of which, being a lifelong learner, um, 
going back to something that you said when we first got up here, you said recovering perfection. So I believe that's what you said. That is what I said. <laughs> yeah. But I, I love that you said that. And based on what you've been saying so far, you're almost really saying that this is like a continuous journey that, yeah. you know, a, that you're on. And I love that you're, you're saying that because a lot of people think that they're going to either overcome imposter syndrome forever, or mm-hmm. they're never going to overthink again or whatever it may, like they're going to get rid of anxiety for life. But that's not necessarily the case. You may know how to deal with it so you can get over it faster. Mm-hmm. But in reality, it's just, you know, you, you're, like you said, we're human. So <laughs> we're going to eventually maybe come into contact with this stuff before, um, how, if you don't mind sharing, yeah. is there anything that you've been dealing with recently that you like, you know what, I see this happening, but because of, let's just say your EQ now, you're able to nip it in the buds a lot faster and just get over it. Absolutely. So I'll like dial back for a second, just to make sense mm-hmm. of now growing up and what I was doing, I was very consistently operating in my zone of genius, meaning I was spending a lot of my time doing things that it, this is not being cocky. I'm just like, I was really good at, I was really good at soccer. Yeah. I was really good at sports. I was really good at school. So that was all very much reinforced scoring goals, like all of that stuff, a, a student. Right. So the second that I was doing something out of my comfort or something I wasn't as good at was like, Oh crap. You know, so, and that's where I think the anxiety piece kicked up was this, I should be able to do this. Right. And especially now, like fast forwarding to being a business owner, an entrepreneur, like I know where my strengths and weaknesses are. And I've had to make friends in areas that I know that I'm not as competent in. So for example, like technology, I'm not the best at it. So by saying, so like I launched my first online course and that took so long to do, not because I didn't have the content. I had the content written out. I had it all set to go. I didn't know how. And that's for me when I don't know how is like, that's where I stop. So I'm like, if this isn't going to be exactly what I want it to be, I'm not going to do it. And that's where I was saying before is like, you can hinder yourself and your growth and your purpose. I'll go there even your purpose and like how you're supposed to touch other people's lives or what you're supposed to do or how you're supposed to share your knowledge. I think that's all, all of our responsibility to do. I think we all have our own strengths and areas of focus for a reason. Uh, if we were all the same, how would that be helpful? So being able to share all that information, I found that there were so many times where I had a manuscript or I had a this, or I had an idea and it just went nowhere because I didn't know how to put it out there or I didn't know what to do with it. So that's where, especially in the last year or two, I've been really challenging myself. It's like, that's okay that you don't know how. Let's start somewhere. Let's try something. Let's ask somebody and acknowledge that you're not the expert here. And that's okay. I think a lot of people that go into that perfectionist mindset, we assume that we have to do it all ourselves and we have to figure it out. And like, that's cool. We, we can, we probably will, but it's going to take a lot longer. It's going to be a lot more stressful. And it's, a great way to burn yourself out is not acknowledging kind of where you need support. So that's where I've been overcoming it. That's real. But I'm trying to figure out mm-hmm. and not taking control of everything. I, I think that's where 
And let me know if you agree or not. I feel as if that's where a lot of perfectionism come from. Like mm-hmm. they, a, per, a perfectionist wants to take control of every little aspect. Oh yeah, control. Well, that's where doing. we. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And because of that, you, a person, not not you, Mia, but like a person <laughs> is trying to essentially. They're putting, again, that pressure on themselves to figure yeah. out every little detail. When, mm-hmm. like you were saying, that's not your uh, your zone of genius. And it's crazy because I just heard that for the first time like a week ago, mm-hmm. that phrase. And so it's funny that you said that. Yeah. Um, and operating in that zone of genius or essentially your specialty, right? What your, what your gift is. Yeah. is where a person should really be putting the most time, the most focus, yeah. the most energy. Yeah. And like you said, figure out other resources to help you, right? We're all mm-hmm. different for a reason. We can yeah. leverage each other. Yep, exactly. And I think that's where things really go into an incredible space, right? Like where we are picking each other up and building off of each other instead of the altar. So I think that's, a really good takeaway too. Yeah. Yeah. You should be spending most of your time in that zone. And that's not to say that you're never going to have to do anything outside of that, but it's also knowing sometimes your control is acknowledging that you don't have all the facts or you don't know all the information and that you can outsource or reach out for support or whatever. And that definitely helps challenge that perfectionism or that, you know, imposter syndrome, feeling like you're trying to do something, but you don't have all the pieces. So you can't do it or you don't know how, or it's not good enough. Right. So definitely all of those points. <laughs> I think we could even relate this uh, to soccer a little bit or any yeah. sport. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about soccer real quick because in soccer, you know, you have different positions. Mm-hmm. You have specialty positions, maybe your defender, Maybe you're a striker. Maybe you're a midfielder. I I don't know. It depends. But whatever that position is, that's your specialty. The striker is not a defender. They're not playing defense. They're not the goalkeeper. They're not expected to protect that goal. The goalkeeper, that's their specialty. And so when you allow the, the rest of your teammates to do their job, their zone of genius, that's when you come together as a team to then win. And that's kind of what we have to figure out in life is what am I really good at and who can I help or who can help me essentially mm-hmm. win the game, whatever mm-hmm. game that is. Yeah. Uh, and just let them do them. Uh, but Mia, it's been a great conversation. We're getting towards that, <laughs> that, that time limit. But I, I had to ask you just a couple more questions sure. um, before we wrap up today. The first one is, what piece of advice, if you can only give one piece of advice to anybody listening right now, what would mm-hmm. it be? Make sure you're taking care of yourself. If your mental and physical health are not in place, the rest does not matter. It is something I've seen time and time again. Um, understand what your needs are from a foundation. And then that's where you will notice yourself operating at a much higher place. The second that you're not meeting those needs, your brain shuts down, you start not thinking as clearly, you start doubting yourself and you're reinforcing all of those negative narratives. So as much as I'd like to give this kind of higher level, just aha moment, it's just take care of yourself. Because literally, if you look at it as a pyramid, if this bottom piece, safety, security, nutrition, sleep, all those things are not in place, 
it doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter how intelligent you are. Doesn't matter how successful you are. You will bottom out. So just really have a good relationship with that and understand what that looks like for you. And listen, y'all, I'm about to take that advice immediately because (laughs) I have not slept in like 24 plus hours. And the way that I stumbled over reading her bio a couple of times before I got it right is crazy. And so we don't realize how much we're working. Yes. Go get some sleep. But again, we don't realize how much we're working against (laughs) ourselves. And that's an emotional vulnerability factor, not the good kind of vulnerability, mm-hmm. but ways that we're working for ourselves against ourselves that we don't even realize. So take care of yourself, okay. understand what your needs are emotionally, physically, whatever else, and prioritize those because everything else will get into play so much quicker and so much better. So yeah, that's real. Don't get some sleep. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to tell me twice. My body's going to put me to sleep. Um, and then what, was success to you let's just say 10 years ago five or 10 years ago you can choose which one and what is success to you now i love that question um five or 10 years ago even 10 yeah thinking back 10 years ago when i was first starting my career uh my personality too is very like when you do this when you accomplish this when you get this many clients when you're making this much money uh, was success. Mm-hmm. And now being a mom of two kids, two under two, and just being in the midst of life itself. It's just like, you gotta appreciate every day and success is just feeling supported, feeling fulfilled. Not every moment you're going to be happy, but knowing that it should be more that than than anything else is really important. It's just doing something you enjoy doing, contributing in a way, having a community, having meaningful relationships, that's success right there. Because the other stuff, it'll all come and go, like we said. So just really being able to live life and just appreciate what that looks like. I know that's not easy. Um, and sometimes we need support around that. And that's okay. But that that is a big shift is it's not all numbers or hitting certain landmarks. It's very much being in where you are. And, and appreciating that. And lastly, how can people find you? How can <laughs> they support you? Yeah. So you can find me at the mental performance expert on Instagram. Um, also, we have a platform specifically for athletes, which is at the number four, the athletes underscore on Instagram. Um, Websites are thementalperformanceexpert.com or 4taplatform.com. We are doing a really exciting launch where we are actually going to be opening up a an app, a platform specifically for college athletes that's going to have trainings on mental performance, on wellness. We're going to have guest speakers on nutrition, on all these other things that are just so foundational. And we're so excited because it's been talked about a lot. And yes, they're doing better on getting people on staff, but to have something that's more proactive rather than reactive, that you have these resources, you have this community, um, look for that. It's going to be coming in the new year, but we're already taking free registration and stuff. So that's something that resonates with you. If you ever want to do a program on performance, if you're more a professional or business professional, it's a lot of the same content in terms of competitiveness and aligning with your values and resilience and not burning out. So you can find me in any of those places. I'd love to connect. That's amazing. Those are some dope resources. 
Well, again, Mia, thank you so much for taking time out of your Monday morning uh, to be with us here today. Again, y'all, this has been another episode of Verified Phenoms. If you found some value today, by all means, please make sure that you share this out with at least three people that you think uh, can benefit from this conversation. And other than that, we will catch you guys on the very next episode.